Hello and welcome to the Court Games LCG Podcast. I'm one of your co-host Trevor Cuba, aka Kita Odimaru. Joining with my co-host here together is no one. It's it's just me. Yeah, unfortunately, Sar was busy, and all my usual co-hosts that I have lined up were otherwise disimposed this weekend. So normally I would just skip it. Um, and move on to, we was actually able to record with, uh, Croy from the last province podcast for our Scorpion episode, but this week is a heck of a week to, for, to be lacking a co-host because, um, Fantasy Flight has released a lot of information that I just, I can't not, not talk about this this week and say that we're still up to date and informed for everything so i'm going to try to do this by myself you guys are going to listen to me go slowly insane as i try to hold a conversation with myself let's see how well this goes uh at the very least we're going to be light on detours this could either go very quickly or very long depending on how weird and crazy and pedantic pedantic i get Maybe also depending on how well I can speak because I'm stuttering already. Uh, let's move into it. Uh, so first off, got a slight community update. Uh, the Emerald Dojo. If you go to emeralddojo.com, uh, they have updated their Phoenix and Scorpion starting guide. So even though we're doing this beginner's guide right now, uh, well, not this episode, but uh, we're nearing the end of our beginners series of all the great clans. Uh, there's a pretty good written guide on the Emerald Dojo with. Um, Guys, for Emerald the Clans, resources to find different communities if you're not already familiar with them. It's just some good info right there. Uh, good to check out. Uh, we've had some other things going on online. One of the things we should talk about is Noah Bradley. Now, for those who don't know, Noah Bradley is an artist who has worked on Legend of the Five Rings uh, currently and in the past and other card games. And... Uh, some allegations have come out on him lately. It's not even allegations because on his uh, social media, he's admitted to the claims posted against him. Um, so many communities, including Fantasy Flight Games, have put out an official statement saying that they are no longer working with this individual. Um, the art that he... They will no longer be hiring him for art uh, and commissioning him for new projects. Unfortunately, because of the long production times it takes to make some of these games and also the current delays with the COVID-19 situation. Uh, there is going to be a number of cards with his artwork featured on there that is going to be coming out in the any product that's currently being produced, but any reprints of these products and anything going forward will no longer have the artwork of Noah Bradley. Um... Not much to say there, but, you know, doing what we can to make our community better. I think Noah Bradley uh, admitting the mistakes he has made, uh, the allegations against him for inappropriate sexual conduct with members of the tabletop community and specifically people in the artist community is not acceptable. On uh, broader news, we have a update to the restricted list, which is kind of surprising because we weren't necessarily expecting an update to the restricted list, given that there haven't been any official tournaments going on for Legend of the Five Rings. Um, you know, the community just talk and has presumed that Fantasy Flight has their own internal playtest so they can you know, collect their own data and kind of see what kind of issues are coming out. And the restricted list is a, can be a useful tool to make corrections after the fact. I know some people are upset about the idea of Fantasy Flight even having a restricted list, but I think while design can probably do a little bit better job of spotting some of these things in the playtest cycle and making sure they don't get to print. I think it's kind of ridiculous to expect them to have a perfect product out, especially since a lot of the things that are going on the restricted list are once again, things that are available either in the core set or in the first few cycles, which have been notorious for being uh, grossly over the curve. Um, even as we keep making cards for this game that, 
Uh, they just have like fundamental design problems that just weren't cut caught because the designers didn't know. Nor could they. It's, it's, it was only nearly impossible for them to know what the overall metagame was going to be. They probably had some inclinations that some cards were going to be stronger or weaker than others. But, you know, some problems just continue to uh, present themselves. Also, we see in this restricted list some ongoing issues that Tyler is trying to design around or fix and either things have just been problems for too long that he's getting rid of now or things are problems but he is designing and restricting things around it to keep it up to get so noticeably city of the open hand the scorpion clan stronghold is not on this list and a lot of the people in the community are presuming a lot of the issues that are happening right now with some of the other cards that are on this list are actually and they continued like every cycle Every restricted list cycle, Scorpion gets two or three cards put on this list uh, for something. And a lot of people agree, like, City of the Open Hand is probably the problem. Um, I don't necessarily fault Tyler for not banning City of the Open Hand because uh, at the end of the day, Elevar is a product and he has to get the core set you know, into people's hands. And he, the more th things that are, like, banned in the core set, that's not good. Uh, especially a core aspect. Like, if you are a new player and all you do is get a core set and you don't hunt down the extra packs with the Scorpion Strongholds, that's a real feels bad for a new player who has inclinations of going to an official event and knowing that they're the only stronghold they have available to them is actually not legal. That's not good product management. And yes, we have to do a lot of like, I say we as if I'm making any part of this decision, which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, there's not much you can really do there from a product standpoint. Um, maybe hopefully we'll get a core set 2.0, which will drastically fix a lot of the problems that we're seeing here until then. Um, this is the best thing we're going to do. So let's go into it. We have the stronghold band list and the stronghold restricted list. Keep in mind these, uh, they're called stronghold because there's new archetypes to skirmish and multiplayer formats have their own lists. And I don't believe skirmish has anything banned right now. Don't. I, I haven't been following Skirmish, as you can tell, so don't take me for that. But this is for the Stronghold, so this is the for the official Kotai format that, you know, generally competitive players like myself tend to worry about. So, added to the bandwidth, Bayushi Liar Corset. Uh, that's an interesting one. It is comparable, as they mentioned in an article, to the Crane's uh, Doji Whisperer and the Lion's Matsu Berserker, I believe it is, as this very low cost, like one cost, uh, blank stat or low stat, and then three of a stat they're really good in. In this case, Bushi Liar was a blank military and three political. Um, but unlike the other two, uh, the sincerity on Bushi Liar just made it pretty gross. The dash military uh, got it to avoid like duels and other things like that. Um, and then paying a dollar to get this three. Political is really sizable, and then you get a card when it goes away. So you only like ever putting a dollar on it, or you're just buying it for a dollar and usually letting it die after one turn. Often, uh, that's huge value in comparison to everything around it, and just the general card to goal uh, to uh, fate ratio that Scorpion tends to enjoy is really on the back of Bayushi Liar. So it's not do surprise. Well, it's, it actually no, I take that back. It is very surprising. Uh, to see it go down there. Um, I would have been maybe saw it being restricted, which would effectively soft ban it because no one's going to take Bayushi Liar over a lot of the other cards on the restricted list. But perhaps there's an issue where the restricted list is getting too hefty. So maybe it's just better just to outright ban it because there's more space on that ban list than anything else. Um, next up, policy debate. This one hurts my poor little crane heart. Uh, policy debate is proven to be a very effective card in a lot of decks, but specifically the crane deck. Uh, crane mid-range dueling um, 
depends on well just a lot of duels in general and not just the duels themselves like policy debate itself is a very powerful powerful effect because quite easy to find yourself with high political and your opponent like is in, in any given conflict with someone with lower political you just ping them and then start ripping cards out of their hand often the strongest card uh that they're holding right now which would be detriment like destructive to things like unicorn just grab their calvary reserve and yeet that into the trash or um uh, any other kind of th things like that it also kind of quasi attachment destruction because while it doesn't destroy an attachment in itself if i take it out of your hand good enough um so as i said policy debate is good in just about any deck Crane specifically, because they're so synergistic with duels, where uh, Q and Kikita will honor character after they duel. We've been using Proven Ground lately to draw cards after we successfully duel somebody. Um, and it's not a very easy slot to replace. It's not like there's very many uh, conflict-side duels that really does the heavy lifting for as low cost that policy debate was there's other duels but there's kind of a reason we don't play a lot of those we might see some of those or crane might be moving into a different direction i mean our next go-to deck has always it's recently been uh the crane kill deck using scorpion splash and mark of shame which ironically now that Policy debate and some of the other cards are on this list are out of the equation. That one might be getting a little stronger. Hard to say. There's a we're experimenting with a lot of things right now. Uh, finally, on the ban list is Gateway to Mido, and this was put on there along with some other things that got it restricted, like uh, policy uh, display of power. Uh, for one, it goes against the core function of the game where this game is all about attacking and defending. Uh, Gateway to Mado makes it so you never want to attack. And if you saw some of the infinite honor things, it would make sure that, like, literally the only way to win is to never attack again and try to either dishonor your opponent uh, defensively or run out the clock, which is antithetical to the game itself. Um, I'm happy it's on here just because it's part of an infinite uh combo which i'm not even sure how viable that the the infinite combo being a viable win condition was never my sticking point um it's pretty easy to see coming and it's pretty fairly easy to stop it um that being said i like the the idea of the existence of an infinite combo uh just really chaps my hide <laughs> from a gameplay slash competitive perspective and i don't know why they allowed it to exist for so long other than like oopsie i it get it's just there either way um uh, gateway tomato uh is no longer in here uh and not something i have to deal with anymore good riddance to that one uh let's move over to the restricted list keeper initiate this was an unusual one um, now, it's no secret that Keeper Initiate was heads and shoulders uh, superior to its other card, uh, Seeker Initiates. Uh, that one was a also a two-drop, even though no one ever p bought a Keeper Initiate. Uh, but whenever you won a ring, you can uh, draw a card off of it. Uh, the stats for two never made it viable. And like I said, no one ever bought Keeper Initiate. And the idea that you could just like keep these guys around just by claiming a certain air uh, or a certain ring of an element type and they would almost never go away and they're just always around to they do a lot actually for being one one with uh i think it's two glory they can just seal up the favor uh right there they have like basically free poke targets um you get them honored, they start becoming like sizable threats that in and of themselves. Uh, just real stupendous value. So, uh, while I'm kind of surprised, I didn't think they're so you know restricted enough to or like impactful enough to warrant a restricted list. I'm not surprised to see them go. Um, and maybe it, it kind of frees up the keeper, uh dynasty slots a little bit 
Uh, display of Power. This one's had a long time coming. Like I just said, it uh, it's on this list because it discouraged people from attacking. Um, this is kind of dying to a couple of deck sins. Now, unfortunately, yeah, Phoenix is getting another card on the restricted list. Um, uh, apparently, Phoenix cards range from garbage to completely busted, and this is the next one on the completely busted list. Um... But, uh, yeah, if you, th this one being run out of Scorpion, you would run into the issue of, hey, I would love to use a viable ring, or actually, since they're trying to dishonor me, it'd be a great time to actually start using the air ring. Boop, nope, display of power. They're actually going to cause me to lose more honor for doing a successful attack at the low, low cost of uh, two fate and a card. Um, and then Scorpion also has all the counters to stop me from trying to stop them from doing that, assuming I have a counter myself, which if they have Bayushi showed you, caveat also on this list, um, then I couldn't even use, uh, set, uh, censure if I was one of the clans to play censure. So just a horrible thing that disincentivizes you, you from attacking, uh, the chiding I always give SARS when I, like, he just kept hitting the the play card button on Jigoku, uh, and he didn't realize I kept attacking water because it's a worthless thing. Now, I give Sars crap for that, but the bad situation there was, like, water is functionally the only card, uh, the only ring that could safely be declared. So you could also only declare one attack versus Scorpion a lot of the ca cases, uh, and getting a basically worthless water ring because either they had uh, people with fate on them or tiny little courtiers who they don't actually care because their courtiers are just there to poke anyway. So it's like bowing one of them isn't really doing a whole lot. Um, glad to see this on the restricted list. Um, I wonder who would be playing it now. I would not be surprised to see it as Phoenix's restricted list card. Uh, but the more things that get added to Scorpion, I highly doubt we'd see it in there. Especially since City of the Open Hand, while not banned, still restricted. So if you're up against Scorpion, you see City of the Open Hand, there's this whole restricted list is not available to them still. Uh, next up, we have Tactical Ingenuity. I'm surprised to see this. Now, it, there is something where it does create a card, a ridiculous card advantage where you just put these uh, things on a character and you can uh, just start drawing cards. But I always liked how it could only draw events and it has to be played on a commander. So it was kind of limited in the scope of who it could get and what kind of cards you get on there because the tower decks out of Lion, uh, most of the really interesting cards were attachments so technical ingenuity wasn't doing there and most of their events were not really worth a while except for um what is that uh standing card um in service to my lord uh yeah that would only be the really interesting card in my opinion that lion could pull out of there there's a few other things that they would actually they're not going to say no to an event and the cards have value but in, in the realm of cards i'm truly worrying about at least in the tower lion matchup uh in service my lord is about the only one and even against normal lion i kind of question how many cards i events i care because they have a habit of all of them giving military buffs so i just assume if, if a line has cards in his hand they all say like plus 20 military um and just <laughs> make my game plan going forward that way uh but all the same um at least it's something for the line players to choose and it's probably going to be their choice because i don't know how many other cards were in this list that they were really too keen on taking i think i'll some of them that were on Dragon would probably go on uh, Miramoto's Fury. Um, maybe some policy debates. I'm not quite sure what they're running and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Tactical Ingenuity just becomes the default Lion choice right now. They could use it a couple of cards. Um, next up, Iron Mine gets added up to. Actually, what did I mention? Iron Man and Cooney Laboratories. Two crab cards, two crab um, holdings 
uh, very popular ones. Interesting because they theoretically, when they released their clan pack not too long ago, uh, ha- like had a super bolstered uh, holding theme, which kind of got screwed over by a season of war. The card with Audrey, Aubrey Plaza on it. Um, which was just wipe away all their holdings. Now they still have like the rebuild option, which uh rebuild is also here on the core list or on the restricted list from the core set. So we no longer have a situation of hey, they can just kind of pull out these Cooney Labs or Iron Mines whenever they need to to keep their character around forever. Um there's especially Bad combo. Good for Crab. Bad for everybody else. Where Cootie Labs triggers at the start of the conflict phase. So all the Crab player has to do is wait until after the conflict phase starts. Then play Rebuild. Put the Cootie Lab into play. Avoid the honor loss. And get all the benefits of Cootie Laboratory. So glad that's broken up. Not that that they were getting a lot of... uh, they're getting a, they were getting a lot of value out of it, especially with their weedy swarmy decks and the iron mines just being able to uh, pull those things back out of the graveyard at will um, whenever they had a character that they really needed to not die. Uh, I'm glad that's gone. Uh, this is a huge kind of one-two hit to crab, which crab wasn't like exactly burning down the meta right now there was a large discussion going on online about butcher of the fallen which is a very powerful crab card that is kind of a problem because the way he's worded um makes him almost impossible to defend against and you, you only have so many ways to move in your own people to try to stop him and crab if they do nothing else, is very good at defending their own provinces. So his air quotes weakness of, well, the more crab provinces you break, the weaker he gets. It's kind of a false equivalency and just put, get like overwhelming value. But um, as of now, he's not considered an issue. Um, Finally, on a restricted list, we have Bayushi Shoju, the new one out of Inheritance, Inheritance Cycle. Um... Shoju has been locked out of his house because now him and City of the Open Hand are no longer, they're both on the restricted list, can no longer be in the same deck as each other. Um, Which is interesting. The Scorpion Dishonored deck, um, which, you know, Scorpion has been on top or near the top since pretty much the dawn of the game. So it's not surprising that we got to keep hitting them and keep, making changes not to make them unplayable but it's a deck type that it's always seems to be very strong and also seems to i've said many times on here operates in a way so many of the clans simply don't have the tools or the capabilities of dealing with them uh soju's personally is also a one two combo in that very same regard because he has just an auto clock like every round players are going to lose cards or no players are going to lose honor and then draw two cards which since scorpion cards in that matchup most of them are gaining honor that's a it's not a fair trade the scorpion player is getting much more value every time both players make a card draw that's kind of reason why they play that um that one imperial card where once he leaves play both players get to draw cards because every card that scorpion draw gives them potentially one step closer to another backhanded compliment or any other number of cards that will drain the opponent's honor. And since uh, it's still much easier to dishonor to, uh, than to honor out, that just puts tremendous value on every single Scorpion card draw. You know, also caveat, that's why Baishi Liar is such a powerful card too, because c- card draw in Scorpion, very, very strong. Additionally... So, Scorpion has a number of uh, tools to dishonor you, but a lot of them have, like, ways to, if you cancel them, to kind of stop you, or uh, uh, you could stop them from uh, doing things to you, 
But since Bayushi showed you will not allow your your opponent to have the Imperial Favor, that also functionally means that your opponent can never use Censure. So even if you have a way to like stop Display of Power or to stop any number of cards that you would really want to stop to try to have a fighting chance against them, Soju just stops. Hard, hard, hard stop. Uh, this is all on top of being a military dash seven political with I think it's four glory. Uh, since they the scorpion player has almost all control over who's getting honored, who's getting not honored, he could quickly go up to like an eleven political and just start breaking provinces in of itself. And there's very little someone can do. Very few clans in the game can compete against that high political value. Uh, just because most of the air quotes military clans, even if you get like three or four characters on the board, they just don't have the blue numbers to compete in that field. So Soju will just have like utter dominance uh, unless he's up against a, a crane or a phoenix or someone with a very spicy political draw, maybe a, a dragon with a bunch of attachments. So, um, yep, yeah, he's just considered uh, two above the board, even in the realm of clan champions where he exists. So, now he's restricted. You can still play him. Just can't play him out of suit of the open hand. Um, I would be remiss if I did not point out that the... Uh, I've mentioned this before, but the person who came in... I can't remember his name. I can never... Uh, get, I, 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 I'm not even going to look it up because I'm lazy. Uh, but the individual who came in second place at Worlds last year, 2019, uh, was a Scorpion player who was not running City of Open Hand. So that card is not necessarily key to a Dishonored victory. And also, he didn't have... Uh, Soju was not available at that time, I believe. Oh, now I'm going to talk myself into a corner. But um, I believe he was not uh, illegal for Worlds that year. So Scorpion still has, by far, a lot of tools to dishonor you. I don't think in any stretch of the imagination that Dishonor is dead. I don't think Scorpion is dead. And I would still actually expect to see them near the top. But I can see some people with a better chance of victory as we're doing this beginner series like i know me as a crane player you know <laughs> thing i never mentioned on this podcast uh really rough time versus scorpion and i've got the tools to fight in that political slash honor battleground uh and it's rough for cranes some of the other people who have like no real means of honor control or no means of getting rid of uh, dishonor tokens or boosting up their own honor, they've got nothing. We were just talking about the Phoenix matchup not too long ago uh, with all their tools that they have lost. Um, no one we've been able to talk to has really seemed to have any solid hope of a phoenix clan winning whatsoever with the slight exception of the the new enlightenment th uh deck but of all the clans that that thing has been eating up scorpion actually has the best way of defeating it because scorpion has access to uh, a number of counters and again like i said soju would control the opponent's amount of counters so that scorpion could actually disrupt the um the enlightenment combo uh, easier than almost anyone else. Um, as a caveat, so I'm not just talking about Scorpion, uh, that very same Enlightenment combo, that is impacted pretty harshly by Display of Power because it was Rebuild as their card and they would use Rebuild to take the Sacred Shrines out of their discard pile and put them onto the deck. Uh, to get their uh, Enlightenment victory, and Display of Power was a very good tool of capturing the last ring that they might need to put everything together. Uh, now that they can't have one another, now you have a much bigger fighting chance in trying to disrupt that thing. Uh, so I think just putting Display of Power on this restricted list does very good. Um, this restricted list slash ban list has not been as lovingly received by the community that a lot of some of the more recent restricted list updates have been. Um, overall, I think it's very good. Policy debate uh, hurts me personally, but at the very least on paper, I see 
why it was put on there. Um, and I do think Crane needs a solid free duel to fit in that slot. If we can't, then we've been playing around in the week this, this list has been out. We've been playing around and there's not a whole lot of cards that really fit into that slot right now. We might go to Toshimoko, we might go to some other things, but um, the, the hey, I'm going to keep playing duels and get a bunch of synergy effects off of it, that kind of deck might take a severe backseat with a loss of policy debate until um, a duel that can properly fill that slot um, comes out. Or we can find some interesting tech out some duels we've been ignoring. I don't know. Uh, Game of Sedana has always been a list thing of like, you know, it's not great but it's not terrible um but you know right off the bat that thing costs one policy debate was free so uh not even comparable effects honestly but uh you know we shall see we shall see uh finally last but definitely not least uh we've got a preview for pack six atonement um we got a few cards here to take a look at this one seems to be focused on honor and honoring effects. So as a crane, I should be very excited about this, even though there's only one crane card on here and it doesn't mention honor at all. But uh, yeah, um, some interesting tools. Also some cards that have been designed by the community that we've been waiting for for a while. So first off, we have uh, Worldly Shiatome. This was, was it mid-early last year uh, between... Tyler Parrott, the game designer's uh, face or his Twitter account, and I think some FFG social media spots where they had some uh, polls. Uh, they asked the community over like a month over with a series of questions of what kind of card we wanted to see. Actually, I take that back. I think it was like 2018. I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, what kind of card would we like to see? Uh, and the community came together, and they all voted for different categories. Like, first we voted for clan, and then we kind of, like, narrowed down the choice. And we ended up on this um, unicorn battle maiden. And I remember the discourse around there being that we... Unicorn still wasn't top dog back then, so we wanted unicorn to have a really good card. Um, anyone who is a fan of unicorn... Many people are a fan of Battle Maidens, who are lore-wise, if you guys are interested. Uh, Battle Maiden is um, someone in the Unicorn Clan, female, generally speaking, uh, mounted cavalry, who were very traditional, and they were like these silent, stoic warriors who would silently ride into battle and just wreck everyone around them. And so they're really cool. They looked awesome, really powerful, and um, a really popular sub theme with a new unicorn. And we've gotten a few of them. They haven't really been like that amazing card wise. Um, this one is okay. So it's a two for two, two, two glory. So just twos across the board. Uh, Bushy Cavalry Battle Bane reaction after you play a Gaijin card, honor this character. Um, interesting. Uh, it goes, obviously, it goes into the set where people are going to be dealing with honor. And honor effects a lot. Uh, at two, I can see uh, it's very easy to honor her. So for two and a Gaijin card, um, hey, now you have a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, would not be opposed to maybe putting a single fate on her as long as you have a card with a lot of Gaijin. This is kind of like you have to build a Gaijin kind of theme deck. Uh, and before you consider putting her in there, but you know what? She's got a spot. I don't, if you don't have like a, I'd say at least nine Gaijin cards in your uh, conflict deck, I wouldn't even consider her. But uh, if you do, um, might be worth a slot. The other card that was designed was the it's a Daidoji Yuri uh, or Yari. I'm sorry. Uh, designed by the 2018 world champion Eric Balhus. Uh, and, well, it's a one cost plus two military attachment restricted. Uh, while your honor bid is lower than an opponent's, each character that opponent controls loses covert. This is interesting because we saw this card, and I'm going to spoil it. It's, I don't think it's that great. Uh, I, I, I would be opposed to running it, but I'm not running home about this. And went on the crane chat like, Eric, 
what's up with this one? And he was just like, listen, back when he designed this thing in 2018, well, he had some like serious input in designing this. Um, you had Mitsu was one of the biggest problems of the game. And the, what do you call it? Um, covert. The covert keyword was still a much bigger issue. Um, which is kind of like, makes me think of like, wow, covert's kind of like lost its luster. There's not a whole lot of real coverting options going on right now. Uh, that all being said, um, he was looking for a way to counteract that, and this is what his result was. So if this thing came out immediately when he designed it two years ago, uh, might have been a little bit shinier. Uh, as it is now, it's okay. Um, I do like, since it's a conflict card, conflict attachment, um, it does require you to do this kind of, um... What do you call it? A composure effect? It doesn't actually have composure, but it's functionally the same thing. Where it needs you to bid lower than your opponent. So in a world where everybody's bidding five, you could just bid four when you see your opponent has a covert character on there. And then after the fact, drop this on there. Um, one problem with this card that you can tell is definitely designed before the crane dueling deck really caught off the, the thing is the dueling deck makes this card unplayable. At least you can't play in that in in a dueling deck at the very least because when we start dueling, generally speaking, everybody bids one or at the very least if I have um if my opponent has a covert person out there and I have this card on player, I highly doubt they're going to bid anything lower uh, any higher than one um thus turning off the effect of this card. So, if you're a crane and you're not dueling for some reason, which, hey, might be a viable strategy, because, like I said, I don't know what the strength of the of the dueling deck is right now. Uh, might be an option. Um, I, it's not worth, like, building a whole deck around, because uh, Covert isn't really that much of a thing right now. And if you're really desperate to stop Covert, there's kind of other ways to get around it. So, uh, neat card. Would have been great to see a couple years ago. Um, doesn't really have a spot for us right now. Let's be real quick. Uh, Phoenix is another uh, rally card with Shiba Pure Heart. It's a 2 2 1 2 Bushi Ajumbo with Rally. And reaction after an opponent declares their second conflict against you this phase, choose a character, honor that character. This is something that Phoenix really needed, um, especially since their. High Glory deck is kind of like the premier deck right now, aside from Enlightenment. Um, they always have the issue of, like, they've got this High Glory, but they have very few ways to honor themselves. So, uh, this one, it's not unique, too. So, you get two or three of these things in play, maybe throw some fan in these guys so they stick around for a while. Now, all of our high, maybe Shiba Sukune won't be a zero-zero potato anymore. That's, that's the hope. Or some of the other cards. Maybe the Serene Warrior will start seeing some play. I doubt, you know, because Phoenix, like I said, Phoenix is, or Scorpion is not dead. So I doubt that's going to be the case. But, and you know, he's got like uh, two glory himself. So even if he's only honoring himself, that's not so bad. Um, at two, with this ability, I want him to stick around. But, you know, with two glory, or two fate, you know, he's always at risk of being assassinated. I don't think he, I don't know if he's so powerful that you would assassinate him uh, just to get rid of him. Unless there's nothing you can do, you have, if you're one of those decks that plays like two or three assassinates, sure he's as good as the target as any other and stuff. But if I'm a Phoenix player and if I want to buy this guy for like one extra fate, I think two is going crazy. But yeah, I'd, I'd put a fate on this guy. Keep him around for a turn or two. Get some honor tokens out there. Yeah, sure. I can see that. Let's see. Lion Clan, Righteous Samurai. This is a 3-4-2, 2-glory, Bushi, reaction. After an opponent's card or ring effect causes you to lose one or more honor, choose a character. Honor that character. Okay, so this is another kind of anti-scorpion card, which Lion kind of has a sub-theme, which, you know what? A, a, a clan having an anti-other clan sub-theme 
Um, not entirely opposed until the, unless the match becomes unwinnable. Uh, I know that's a rough matchup for Scorpion Clan. Um, I, my knee jerk, my, my petty response is like, you know what? Good for them. They could have a, a, a bad matchup and stuff. But I think, especially as after Scorpion takes some knocks, um, you don't want them to and, and be in a situation where they have a almost unwinnable matchup. And in that light, uh, the Righteous Samurai is so limited, I don't know if you buy her for the ability. But a three for four. Um, I kind of wonder if she has stats on there just to buy her for the beefy body alone. A three for four. Uh, Lion has a lot of military. Uh, so they're not oh, they're not necessarily in the market for the military, but I think those stats right alone, like, they put her in contention in more places than she could be. If you happen to be in a scorpion-rich environment or if Dishonor starts taking off, she's a very easy car to slot in, I would say. Um... Her ability against uh, people who are not a Dishonored deck is not that great, but I think she, hell, she might just take make a Dishonored deck um, inert in of her itself. <laughs> Let's see. Dragon Clan gets Agasha Sumiko, 4-4-4-2, Bushi Champion Imperial, Interrupt. When this character leaves play, choose an opponent. If that player is more honorable than you, they lose two honor. If, they, if that player has more fate than you, they lose two honor. If that player has more cards in hand than you, they discard two cards from their hand. Okay, so this is interesting. So, Gasha Subiko, lore story, real quick. Uh, she is the Ruby Champion and currently is the acting uh, Emerald Champion. So, she is. You know, second only to Bayushi Shoju as far as people who are in control of the Empire right now. She's out of the Dragon Clan. Um, holds all the authority, and Soju has been working with her to try to strengthen his own position in uh, Ryoko Owari. Uh, trying to... No, not Ryoko Owari. Atosan Uchi. Ryoko Owari is the, the, uh, the, very, the crime-ridden city owned by the Scorpion. I'm getting my lore all kind of mixed up right now. But, um, so other than that lore tangent, uh, interesting card, uh, the other Subiko was a pretty good card, because as long as you had the Imperial Favor, she would not bow when she attacked. I can't remember if she bowed on any defense or not, but she was a pretty good, like, um, Niten Master Light, if you would. But as it became harder to get the control of the favor, it became harder to kind of bank on Sumiko's ability. Uh, this one, completely different access. And it's interesting because she, her ability triggers when she dies. So you, I don't know if you want to invest in her because you kind of want her to die as quickly as possible. Um, but four is a, lot of money to spend on someone who's not going to stick around so i don't know if her ability to use it now hitting your opponent for two honor two fate and two cards potentially and this is all kind of dependent on if you are falling behind so if i'm like in a weaker resource state if i have if i'm losing out on honor if i'm losing out on fate if i'm losing out on cards um, I don't know if I want my fork drop to die and like dig me out of the hole that I've clearly gotten myself into. So I don't know if she's really going to see play, um, but it is an option. And at the very least, um, I don't have a follow up for that. I think she, she just, <laughs> I don't think she's going to see play, but we'll see. Uh, Theoretically, I've been wrong about dragon cards before. Uh, I disagree with those people, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Krabos, who just lost a bunch of cards, what did they get? Fire and uh, Oil. It is a holding with that gives no bonuses. Siege weapon. While this holding is in an unbroken uh, province, it gains action. During a conflict, lose one honor. Choose a character that is attacking a province you control. Dishonor that character. Very interesting. Equal, like it is quote unquote an even trade. So this crab player loses an honor, and the other player would lose an honor when that character dies, but immediately would get like lower stats. Um, as a crane, this makes me crap my pants. 
This is a horrible, horrible card. Uh, that being said, uh, even though Crab just kind of lost the Cooney Labs, um, they do have an issue of they don't have a whole lot of honor to spend. So I don't know how useful this card is in the meta, seeing as they cannot um, recover from that honor loss very well. Um, additionally... If you are not up against some of the Honor Clans, if you're not up against Crane, if you're not up against Lion, if you're not up against Phoenix, uh, most other clans tend to avoid uh, glory stats, so you're not really gaining a whole lot by um, dishonoring a lot of people out of there. They're, I'm not saying everybody's running around with zeros. Everyone's got at least one, and then many champions or stronger characters tend to rock a two or three, even if everyone else in the clan has, you know, ones and zeros. So, there's still an opportunity to uh, have this be a, uh, impactful, but it's kind of so reliable, and it costs some much-needed honor that I don't know if there's really a space for it, considering that Crab has a huge suite of holdings that they can choose from. I don't know they, why they would necessarily choose this one over other options that they might have. Let's see. And finally, out of the Scorpions, because Scorpion always get the fun toys, they get an attachment. Compromise Secrets. Condition. It uh, gives no military or political bonuses. Play only if you are less honorable than an opponent. Um kind of easy for Scorpion to do sometimes, but uh, as an additional cost to trigger an ability on attached target, its controller must give you one honor. Uh, very, very powerful. Uh, two caveats on that uh, thing, though. Kind of makes this one not worth playing, I don't think. So, one, there's uh, very few cards in the game still with uh, abilities that are triggered specifically that I don't know if you would see that thing consistent enough to warrant this being played. And even if you did, then your opponent is still in kind of control over, is it like, is, is this card like pseudo cloud of the mind, or they can just choose to give an honor out there and stuff. It's in your opponent's control. And you are in a situation where you just keep giving them these bad options and bad options, but they're still too much kind of in control when you can be running something more consistent Especially if you have to play this when you are less honorable than an opponent, uh, which, if depending on the flavor of Scorpion, might be harder to pull off than others. Now, Scorpion tends to drag its opponents down with them, so there are they do, they're doing this leapfrog thing where they go down, then they pull their opponent down with uh, up below them, and then they go down a little bit more to pull their down. Uh, put us down some more they can get around the less honorable part if they really want to that's less of a uh, of a concern especially if you're playing state of the open hand you're banking on the idea that you're going to be underneath your opponent on honor wise at least some portion of the game so you can uh, flip these things out still your opponent has in almost complete control over when they can trigger or not trigger this card so it's kind of, um, it, it's a high risk thing. I don't think, uh, I think most people will be able to play it around it and stuff. I'd rather play something a bit more consistent. So that's just where I stand as someone who doesn't play Scorpion a whole lot. Other than that, that's pretty much it. I hope I haven't rambled too much on this crazy one-man show here. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to my sister podcast, the Court Games RPG Podcast, hosted by uh, Kikita Kaori and uh, Kovar. You know, I bet Kovar would never leave Kaori to sit around and do an episode all by herself. Sar. I, I'm sorry I had some things to do that. I'm not going to give him too much crap about this. Uh, we also have uh, two new podcasts in our Court Games Network, The Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune of Strife. Two new actual plays that are available in all the places where we distribute our podcasts, so I can encourage everyone to check them out. Uh, follow them on social media, too. I know that uh, they both of them seem to be posting ways to influence the games and the storylines that are happening there 
Um, if you go to their Twitter they, and follow some of their polls on there. So real great uh, interactions on there. I would do that as well, but uh, not much you can talk about at LCG that's really up to vote. So uh, if I think of a way to do it, I will. you all be the first to hear about it. Um, and the place you can find out uh, more about our podcast and other things that people are doing in the community is go to uh, the website CBAS has set up, courtgamespod.com where we post some articles, we have some forums out there, and just general resources for people interested in learning more about Alphavar and exploring what kind of things are out there, either card game-wise or RPG-wise. Um, if you like this podcast or any of those other fine resources I just mentioned, consider, consider checking us out on uh, Patreon. Uh, that goes to fund all of these podcast endeavors, the... Discord survey, uh, survey, the Discord server, and uh, pretty much everything else that we do, and all the things that we have uh, cooking under the table. So, uh, if you have a little spare scratch to throw around, uh, appreciate it kindly. Uh, the Patreons, I want to uh, patrons, Patreons, patterns, potters. I don't know. Uh, the generous donors I want to shout out uh, this week are Maddie. Thomas Vandenberg and John Carico, Carico, Carico. I hope I got that right. Apologies if I, if I butchered your names, but I'm here to lead, not to read, and I don't read very well. So, <laughs> uh, big thank you for helping to support all the efforts that we do out here, um, and. Yeah, uh, still no updates on events, but the community seems to be rolling around uh, doing its things on there. Um, everyone seems to be, you know, pretty good right now. Uh, just staying in interactive, involved, keeping this game alive. Um, Fantasy Flight has announced that some new products to roll out in the near future. So we get our hands on some things. And if you can't play, find a digital way, well, here's hoping we can see each other soon. Um, my favorite judge that I'm going to shout out today is me. Because I, with my brilliant wisdom decided to i've judged that i should do this podcast alone and now i'm judging that i have made a mistake because no one should listen to me for this long i apologize for putting you all through this so until next time hopefully i have a way to balance my crazy nonsense with uh some reason and insight uh, in the near future so until then sayonara everyone